This is Shayla Adam Stafford, and you're listening to PBL in Practice. Thank you for tuning in to another week of PBL in Practice, a weekly broadcast where we talk with top leaders in project-based learning from across the nation to discover best practices, share successes and failures, and most importantly, learn from each other. My name is Shayla Adam Stafford, and I've been an educator for the past 10 years, focusing specifically on project-based learning. I'm also the founder of Remix Education, a nonprofit that serves first-generation college-bound students and a member of the National Faculty of the Buck Institute for Education. Enough about me, let's get into our guest for this week. This week's podcast is brought to you by the Buck Institute for Education, who believes that all students, no matter where they live or what their background is, should have access to quality project-based learning to deepen their learning and achieve success in career, college, and life. As a teacher and coach, I can honestly say they have some awesome resources available on their website. Everything from books to project planning guides, project calendars, rubrics, and assessment maps, you name it. They offer services that can really help your staff or district implement high-quality PBL, including training, coaching, and my personal favorite, project slices, where educators actually get the experience of going through a project as if they were students. Check out all they have to offer on their website, www.bie.org. Again, that's www.bie.org. Our guest for this week is Lauren McKenzie, a secondary educator for DC Public Schools, who has a passion for social studies, literacy, and social-emotional education. Over the last 10 years, she has served as a history and English teacher who strives to use creative and culturally competent content to engage her students. Lauren also serves as an adjunct professor for the School of Education at the University of the District of Columbia. Through this position, Lauren is able to cultivate budding and veteran educators by sharing the strategies and research she uses in her classroom every day. Let's welcome Lauren to the show. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Shayla? I'm doing wonderful. It's so great to hear from you. Thank you. It's great talking to you this evening. So Lauren and I have known each other for a very long time. We started teaching (laughs) around the same time. Um, And so I'm going to try to be as formal as possible in this interview, Lauren, but you know. I feel like it'll be very natural because this is like a conversation we would have anyway. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, Lauren, we heard a bit about you in your background, but tell our listeners something that they may not know about you. So, I enjoy cooking and use it as a stress reliever all the time. Um, and I love being outdoors. Like, I don't think that a lot of people know that about me. I love I nature. Love I love just, you know, it also brings me peace. So, being outside, walking on trails, hiking, things like that, I enjoy. Awesome. Awesome. So, Lauren, talk to us a bit about how you came into project-based learning. Okay. So, I would say when I first started teaching in 2008, that, um, and I was teaching 
English and government at this time. Um, I noticed that my students were invested in completing assignments when they were intrinsically motivated and they received a grade, but there was nothing that bound my units together other than a topic. And I was trying to figure out as an educator, like what would ground my students in their practice as learners and make them feel more excited about class? And I believe it was a conversation with you and your excitement around project-based learning (laughs) that um, brought me towards the approach. Um, I would also say that um, at that time, maybe... I would say maybe by 2011, I started um, collaborating with educators that used the understanding by design model for planning. And so we had to come up with or plan with the end in mind. And so projects I felt like was a good way to go. And so getting students invested about the why in my course is what drove me to project-based learning. Awesome. Awesome. So outside of being able to teach both English and, you know, having that dual certification and and really engaging students on both levels, tell us what do you feel is your PBL superpower? So I would say my PBL superpower is getting students to buy in to a project and Mm -hmm. making them transparent about themselves really through the project. Um, I feel like I've gotten to know students and their ability to persevere um, through challenges while working in projects. So my PBL superpower is getting students to invest and show me who they are. Wow, wow. So give us a story about a breakthrough PBL moment. Oh, definitely. So I'll use this year as an example. Uh, So I taught an elective called World Problems and Contemporary Issues. And we talked about many issues in the course. We started off with like a study of gentrification in Washington. Uh, We looked at racism. We looked at sexism. Um, We covered the topics that were most relevant to students. And their final unit was a project. And in that project, I asked students to compose a book that modeled the style and structure of a book that they were going to read. And that book was called A Lesson Learned by author Javon Brown. And the book was a compilation of short stories about issues that students face and lessons they learned while in college. And so my students were tasked to read Brown's book and identify his style and the literary devices that he uses and as a class write a book of their own which culminated Mm. with an author's visit from Brown where they presented their short stories and book to him Mm. and so during this process number one students opened up about a number of personal issues that were related to the lessons they learned in high school. So the class is 10th and 11th graders. And so many of them, the 10th graders, were preparing for PARC. And so I wanted this to be an opportunity where I got to infuse the literary common core standards and get to know my students. And so Mm -hmm. their analysis of Brown's work, which 
um, was very compelling in topic, got them to engage a lot more with literary Mm. devices than I felt like they had in former classes when I was reading some things from the canon, you know, they were into this. And so this project allowed me to get students to become vulnerable about what they knew and understand about literature, but then it also got me to get to know who they were. And so I was unexpected, like I was shocked with the topics that they came Mm. up with. There were short stories about suicide, cutting, child abuse, abortion, and the topics were, you know, really eye-opening because the students who had some of these topics are not students you would expect. And so it really gave me a chance to get to know my students and I watched them work together on weekends and work together through text message chains and emails and meet up after school to get this book accomplished. And so that was my PBL breakthroughs, definitely finding a way to give students an opportunity to to express something about themselves that they would not normally get to share, but through the lens of Common Core. So, Did you find um, that students were a bit reluctant uh, to share or were students just like eager to just go ahead and pour it out? Or how did you bring that out of them in that project that's so personal? Absolutely. So this was the culminating task for the course. And the entire semester, every Wednesday, I used the restorative circle models to build culture and relationship Mm. amongst them. And so they have been sharing intimate experiences of racism and sexism and um, just all kind of feelings all semester long. And so they really became a close unit. And Uh that is what made this experience authentic. And so I did not go out of my way to forge personal relationships with these students. The content in those restorative circles really bridged and formed our relationships with one another and created that vulnerability. Now, what I will say is that some students started topics and I did not expect for this experience to become as intense as it was. And so students had to finish some of these stories in a guidance counselor's office. Students Mm. had to take breaks when working on these stories and have other tasks to complete because it was very emotionally heavy. Some students, I had one student that was unable to write his story about divorce because it was so fresh for him. And Mm. he's someone who doesn't want to share his personal experiences. And so what we did was have him write the introduction of the book. And he got an opportunity to practice. Mm -hmm. We modified and he got an opportunity to write a more informational piece about stress Mm -hmm. based on a discussion and a debate that they had earlier in the semester. So it was really a perfect culminating task for him. And so I still don't know his story of divorce, and I don't know if anybody ever will, but what I do know is that in this project, he was able to think and process about some of his experiences more than he might have if he didn't have it assigned. So, Mom. Wow, that that is so powerful. And what I love about this project and, and how you implemented it was that you 
really pulled in your support resources within the school, which is something that people don't think about when we think about using outside resources. We have guidance counselors, we have psychologists, we have personnel in the school that for an, a project like this that's so deeply personal, we definitely need to utilize them. That that was really... Absolutely. And it was totally unexpected and very naive um, because I didn't expect students to choose topics that were going to pour it all out. You know, I expected right. them to stay on the surface, but because they were so courageous, um, I did get an opportunity to work with other people in the building. So, yeah. And let me ask you, do you all have plans of publishing this book? Because I know some English teachers, it, they make the project, which kind of take that project to the next level and actually publish it um, annually. Is this something you guys are thinking about? So students, because um, many of them take me for another elective this semester, ask me, like, do, what, should we publish this book? Like, should we put this out there? And um, what many of them, like, when we started, uh, when we had the circle with the author where they revealed this book, they decided to keep it closed because they were willing to be vulnerable with each other, but not with anyone else. Right. And so some of the stories are so intimate. I think that as long as everyone gave their consent, that mm -hmm. we would love to publish it. But I would want to wait and see how they felt. It was a, definitely a personal development. Yeah. And, and I think that this type of project hits on something that I think a lot of folks entering into PBL really don't realize um and it's that a project doesn't necessarily um it, a project can be authentic and it can it can be personally authentic right so having this deeply introspective project it, it still is a project and it's still utilizing uh, those core skills that we want them to learn and practice, um, but they're doing some deep internal work and doing something that's authentic to themselves. And that is okay to do as a project. Um, so I really like this, this project and this example, Lauren. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. So tell me about your most challenging PBL moment. Interestingly enough, the same, the, the, a challenge that I experience in my classroom when there is not a project is the same challenge I feel when there is, and it's holding students accountable to deadlines. Right, right. <laughs> you know, we have all of the graphic organizers and mechanisms that they can use to really organize the tasks that they need to complete in order to develop a project. But one thing about a PBL classroom is it's messy. If somebody walks yeah. in, they're like, what's going on? <laughs> and they need to look a little deeper. Like they're like, what's on this, all this on their desk? What are they, what's some people standing up? Why is someone laying on the floor writing? Like what's happening? Um, <laughs> and so as much as students are invested, they still don't meet deadlines. And so that was a challenge that I even faced with students with the book because we were writing it over winter break. And so some of our deadlines oh, wow. were when we didn't see students. And so we had to develop a calendar so that students were aware and a text chat so that we could remind students of deadlines and trust me, they still broke them. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I mean, absolutely holding students accountable. That is definitely a challenge inside and outside of projects. Um, so what tips do you have for PBL practitioners specifically related to your area of focus? 
So one thing that I did to remove myself from the process was designate roles and an editor for the book. And having that student leader that is holding the entire class accountable was a lot more effective to get students to meet deadlines than it is coming from the teacher, from me. Um, So I, yeah, I met with, well, first of all, we had an election. We did the democratic process. Who wants what role? Who (laughs) wants to be the editor? Who wants to be the co-editor? And the students made the perfect choice and um, had the student who they knew was the most reliable, not the most popular, but the most reliable as the editor. And so Mm. once they selected her, she and I met during a couple lunch periods and we did a UBD together for this process. So she planned this with me and then she started holding them accountable. So I would text her directly or we would meet and then she would text the class. She developed an email for the book that everything was due to. And so you weren't Mm. emailing your due date um, to Miss McKenzie. You were sending it to the student at the class email where she created it and had access and could tell me, all right, this story's in this, and this story's in this place, or this story needs this much work. And so making a student leader hold students accountable always, I feel like is more effective because they don't want to disappoint their peers and they don't want to be embarrassed in front of their peers. And so I definitely would suggest planning with a student leader and giving them the reign to lead class, facilitate instead of lead when it comes to projects. That is a brilliant idea. I love that idea. And the student is not just the boss of, you know, a, a, a part of the project. They're the boss of the entire class project. Yep. Um, my question is how how do you hold the best student accountable for the content that they're supposed to learn? So because this was an elective and it started to become extremely emotional, um, mm-hmm. I didn't give quizzes, but um, what I did do was an entire literary dive into the author's book first. And so mm-hmm. what you know students had to be accountable to learning the literary devices and arguing which devices were being used most frequently in the stories that they were reading. They had to identify the plot structure that was being used in the stories. They had to identify text structure. Um, And so by teaching the English skills, they had to select five of the stories of Mr. Brown's a lesson learned to dissect and they had to present their findings. And so I was able Mm -hmm. to see and understand how much they understood about language and literature before they wrote their own story. And essentially their story writing was their assessment. Okay. Awesome. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, But if I was teaching this in an English class, I would probably Mm -hmm. give some type of daily exit ticket, whether it be a quiz, a multiple choice set of questions, um, a written response to see what they understood about the Common Core standards. Of course, that would be in taught. So, got it. 
So we're wrapping up the interview, Lauren, and I just am so thankful and grateful to you for joining us today. Can you give us some specific tips for PBL practitioners or any organizational tools that have really helped you? I would say one that you gave me, the (laughs) student contract. Uh, Absolutely. So we have students assign roles, come up with agreements, and exchange contact information and decide the way that they will move forward towards completing the goals in the project. And so using a student contract and student roles list is one of the tools that I feel like is invaluable during PBL practitioner, well, PBL classroom learning. And um, I would also say an action item list. Those two things are my number Mm -hmm. one go-tos. Every class period, students are completing an action item list that says what needs to be done, who's responsible for it, and when will it be accomplished? And just using that to frame the beginning of every class period really set like specific goals so that students could see they were moving towards completing what the calendar asked them to do. And so those would be the two things. Also budget extra time. It just, you know, I don't think things always work out the way you expect in a PBL classroom. And so make sure you give a, some cushion. Absolutely. So Lauren, how can folks keep up with you? If somebody wants to email you and get some more information about this lesson learning project, how will they keep up with you? Yes, please. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the Lesson Learned Project, um, email me at Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N dot McKenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E at D-C dot gov. And I'm happy to share that with you. I'm in the process of really um, cleaning up that lesson plan and an the author, Javon Brown, certainly would like to start using it as well with students that he meets with around the nation. And so please look out for that in the near future and feel free to email me if you're interested. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having, um, for taking some time to come on the show today. Thank you. And uh, I hope you have a great week. Yes, thank you, Shayla, so much for inspiring me to use PBL in my classroom. And I hope that you have a great week too. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of PBL in Practice. Be sure to download this podcast and subscribe on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. This is Shayla Adams Stafford, and I hope you have a great week.